Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 163 of The Informed Catholic of 2020. And so I have another article here from Church Militant on the same subject that was uh, from uh, LifeSite News. This is uh, on the uh, warning uh, by Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano about the possible uh, dystopian world we could live in if Donald Trump win uh, loses and Joe Biden wins. This is serious because um, it talks about, he mentions the word here, the Greek word is kathikon. Kathikon, uh, it means restraint, means to hold back. And it's used from, um, it's referenced to Second Thess Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 which is a very uh, important uh, message. It's a warning of the man of lawlessness and what is restraining him. And I'm going to read to you this passage. I'd like to read the whole passage for you, all right? The man of lawlessness, chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our assembling to meet him, we beg you, brethren, not to be quickly shaken in mind or excited either by spirit or word or by letter purporting to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition who's opposed who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you this and you know what is restraining him, the catechon, restraining him now so that he he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Not only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed and the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by his appearing and his coming. The coming of the lawless one by the activity of Satan will be with all power and with pretended signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are to perish because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Therefore, God sends upon them a strong delusion to make them believe what is false so that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Um, the, I, uh, I read this before, and I actually did a little study of it. Now, here's something that's very important. You can't be a Christian just going around constantly preaching and beating people over the head with Bibles. I know a lot of people are not going to like what I'm saying, but try to understand exactly what I just read here. Unrighteousness, lawlessness, deception, 
okay, this, what's going on is a constant battle, battle for the hearts and minds of people. Man, human beings by nature are religious. Okay, whether we like it or not, politics can become a religion. Ideas, bad ideas can become a religion. And, you know, certain philosophies can become a religion for some people. And in many cases, like the book I'm listening to called The Devil and Karl Marx, is that Karl, uh, Karl Marx practically created his own religion. It, you know, he even admit, he even said in his lifetime, in his in his letters, in his Communist Manifesto, and in many cases, Lenin. Lenin was probably his Saint Paul. What, what Marx is the Jesus Christ of of communism and socialism. Saint uh, Lenin is his Saint Paul. Okay, that's that's a fact. I'm that, that's how I'm looking at it. All right, Vladimir Lenin was Saint Paul. To Karl Marx, to Karl Marx being Jesus Christ of communism, and he he even said it that their that their their belief, communism and socialism is a religion. They 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 follow it to the letter in every in every possible way. Marx himself was against morality. He even said it. Morality has no meaning to him. What is morality? It's nothing. I'm paraphrasing, but it it is that exactly that. It is nothing. Absolutely nothing. And he doesn't care about it. He him and Engels wanted to abolish marriage, abolish the family. And they even believe Engels believed that raising children should be a state matter, not a family matter. Wow, imagine that. Would you like to see the product of Karl Marx's family? Well, okay. Marx lost a son due to his constant reckless behavior of bringing up children. He, he basically, he lived in, in a mess. His house was a mess, a filthy mess. It was a, it was uh you're taking a chance with your own life. You could be sitting on glass or any furniture would be breaking apart. He had no money. He constantly went to his father or to Engels for money. Engels, Engels was practically, you know, it was almost, I would say this, the advent, the invention of welfare. Marx refused to get a job. Marx was lazy. I mean, if it wasn't for Engels, Marx would never have finished his communist manifesto. And this is the world. Marx invented his own religion. He even said that his devil, that his soul belonged to Satan, to the devil. All right, he, whatever, who knows what he was involved in? We don't know. But these are in his poetry, his writings, to his father. He was, he, he was a man who was a mess. He didn't even take baths so badly that he developed these sores all over his body. The doctors begged him to change his habit. His, it covered everything. It was difficult for him to sleep. It was difficult for him to, to lay down to even sit down. He was in constant rage. He was filthy. He smelled bad. And then, of course, his family, I believe, or his wife's family sent over a maid to help. He raped his maid. 
We found out about this many years after he was gone. His illegitimate son from that maid. His own daughters, two of his daughters committed suicide. Yeah. One with her husband. The other one was tricked by her husband so he can get her money. That was the that, that's that is that is the result of Karl Marx's family. That is the result of this man's life. This is the man who is the Jesus Christ of these people out on the streets today. He is the Jesus Christ of of Black Lives Matter because they said that they're Marxists. He is the Jesus Christ of Antifa. This is this is it. This is the man that they hold on to his writings. Okay, the man that was against God and then invented a whole new monstrous system that hates religion, even calls religion so, uh, calls religion a fantasy and fake. If it's so fake, why are you so violently against it? All right, this is it. This is, this is the kind of world that Joe Biden will bring in. All right, this is the world that Hillary Clinton wanted to bring in. If, you, if we do not go out and vote to ensure the, the future, Joe Biden will win and Joe Biden could bring this in. He himself will not be active, but the people behind him will be active. He is the marionette right now in this, in this political system that's trying to take over. So be warned. All right, let's begin the article. The catacon, the restraint, is the, uh, is the activity of Christians. We have to, we have to be the presence of, of Christ. We have to be culturally involved. We have to be culturally involved in the world. And slowly we have been eroding. We have been falling apart. Uh, I would say this has been happening probably from the time of the schism, the schism between East and West, between Western Christianity and Eastern Christianity with the Orthodox and Latin Church. And then the second erosion came across with, uh, I would say, the, the rise of the Renaissance and the birth of the Protestant Reformation. It slowly eroded because then Christendom, Christendom itself was already split. It already was, was split with the East and West. And then the rise of Islam, Islam coming in, and then the fall, the fall of um, of Constantinople was the beginning, of the fall of Christendom, and then final, the final outpost of Christendom, which was uh, the Catholic Church, the unity, the unity of Christendom in the West, and then slowly with the with the the rise of the Protestant Reformation, Christendom was completely gone. It just left a vacuum uh, with uh, within within Western Christianity. So the rise of uh, intellectual sect movements like the Free Masonic movement and the Enlightenment brought in a lot of um, anti-Christian uh, animosity with the rise of the Enlightenment. And you know the they they wanted to believe it was reason, and of course this you know there was constant wars between um, uh, Christian states 
I mean, there were Christian Christian culture was around, but not Christendom. And then, of course, you had the rise of the French Revolution, which was the beginning of a, of a, of a socialist movement. And then, of course, uh, there would be more revolutions in different parts, and of course, finally, the rise of the uh, the the communist state of of the Soviet Union. We've been eroding. We've been losing ground all in, in many places, sadly. It wasn't happening right away, but it happened. Now, what this what he's saying here is because also we're trying to fight to gain that ground. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to fight to gain ground in in the colleges, in the universities, and in the government to help keep civilization moral. Now, look what's happened in California with this pedophile bill. And, and then you have gay marriage. And then you have this, this, this obsession with abortion right up to nine months and even past nine months. Some of them are trying to push. Now, what happens if it goes a month? The child's been born for a month, but the child won't be considered a human being a human being, uh, even after its birth, maybe a month, the family decides they don't want to keep the child. So you don't want to put the child for adoption, but you will try to exterminate the child. Then what happens if six months go by? What happens if you go off uh, hospital grounds, the maternity ward, and taken home? What happens if three months go by and the family decides they don't want to, the mother decides she doesn't want to keep the child? What happens then? You're still not considered a human being because in order to do that, they have to pass laws. They have to pass laws. They won't do it right away, but it is the constant erosion. The erosion of morality. The lawless one, the lawlessness that's arising. And this is something that is serious. The lawlessness is constantly, constant erosion. Of moral thinking, of 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 the more of the restraint, until finally something completely different has to come along. According to John Henry Newman, what uh, co- the complete erosion of and of of Christendom of the of the one thing that's that's that Christ has ordained from the time of his birth, from the time of his incarnation. It was the Roman Empire of Caesar Augustus and Tiberius Caesar. Christ was born in that era, according to, as Paul said, to the appointed time. It was it was Christianity was born from persecution, persecuted by from its Jewish roots, and persecuted in the Rome uh, from the pagan era, and it was that Roman Empire that got Christianized. Now, this Roman Empire is slowly, uh, the Christian Roman Empire is slowly eroding. It's slowly eroding. And in order for these people to establish their new empire, their new world order, they're taking down all the symbols of the last world. The statues, the pulling down of statues, the rewriting of history, uh, the constant attack of the past, the philosophy of the past, all those things, 
the, the, the philosophy of Socrates, the philosophy of, of Plato, the philosophy of, of all the Greeks and the Romans, the laws. It was the Roman court system. Paul himself used the, the Roman court system to his advantage as a, as a citizen of the Roman Empire and as a Christian. As a Jew and a Christian, he used that to his advantage to be to appeal to Caesar so he may be heard. We inherited that system because you know from the Christian era till now, and that's slowly being eroded. All the laws are being written, rewritten. All right, activist judges are being placed in power. Joe Biden wants to wants to pack the court so that. Everything doesn't have to be anymore in the Senate or Congress. It can be decided by activist judges. All right, let's begin the article. Sorry I'm taking a little long on this, but I felt I had to try to explain what exactly he meant by that particular passage. All right, Rome, Vatican whistleblower, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano issuing an apocalyptic warning. If Trump loses, the final catacomb restraint will fail and a new world order will be unleashed. This dystopian dictatorship will have an ally in Joe Biden as the new American president after already having won over Pope Francis, the former papal envoy to the United States, is warning. We know that because Pope Francis has already met him and he uh, let him use footage Pope Francis won't say it verbatim. He won't say it by word, but he'll he'll do it by photographs. You know, it's, that's how politicians do it. Archbishop Vigano quotes St. Paul's epistles to the Thessalonians, where in an eschatological context, the apostle speaks of the man of lawlessness and what is restraining him. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse seven to eight, before the coming of the Antichrist. We just went through that, uh, what I read to you. The prelate who who lives in hiding for fear of his life, that's true, he does, paints a grim picture for Catholics of the scenario that lies ahead in an interview published Thursday in an Italian journal. journal. Uh, well, I think I read that, but we'll, we'll go through that later again. We uh, Inside, over. We would be faced with an Aurelian dictatorship of the deep state and the deep church in which the rights we today consider fundamental and inalienable would be trampled. The mainstream media will be complicit, Vigano predicts. A small remnant made up of fervent Catholics will remain just as the mother of God, St. John and Mary Magdalene remained at the foot of the cross says the archbishop. Remember, he got arrested, our Lord got arrested, and all the apostles abandoned him, including Peter, the Pope, and only St. John and Our Lady, Mary Magdalene, and a small group remain at the foot of the cross. In this war, he asserts Satan is released from his chains, and the gates of hell will try in every way to prevail over the church itself. Vigano affirms that it was Pope Benedict XVI who believed he was placing the prelate in, in this providential position, providential position when, almost prophetically, he appointed him papal nuncio to the United States in August 14th of 2011. 
And here's a tweet here. The mystical body of Christ placed as the only ark of salvation for humanity is called to oppose the mystical body of the Antichrist. I don't know if I would use the word mystical body, but I guess there's language uh, limits here. This role, according to the papal Pope Emeritus, this role, according to Pope Emeritus, will prove to be decisive for the future of the universal church, Vigano reveals. Now, free from my official post, the inspiration confided to me by Pope Benedict allows me to address President Trump with almost with outermost freedom, highlight, highlighting his role in the national and international context and how decisive his mission is in the apocal uh, confrontation that is going on in recent months, he acknowledges. Exposing Joe Biden as a puppet manipulated by the elite, a puppet in the hands of people thirsty for power and willing to do anything to expand it, Vigano dismisses the presidential candidate as a hiding as hiding behind a character totally inadequate of the office of president of the United States, even for his degraded conditions of mental health. But he laments Biden and the universal religion advocated by the United Nations and by Freemasonry finds active collaborators in the leaders of the Catholic Church who usurp its authority and un, uh, uh, unadulterated its magisterium. Ecumenism, Maltism, environmentalism, pansexualism, immigrations, Im immigrationism are the new dogmas of this universal religion whose ministers prepare the advent of the Antichrist before the last persecution and definitive victory of our Lord, the prelate declares. Even the Holy See appears to be attacked by many forces, and the silence of the shepherds is deafening and upsetting. Vigano laments, adding, some even prefer to support the New World Order by aligning themselves with the positions of Pope Francis and Cardinal Perlone, who is a frequenter of the Bilderberg Club slavishly submitted to its uh, dictates uh, like many politicians and mainstream media. There's a little icon here, a picture of an icon, of Saint Marina of Antioch beating the head of the devil. <laughs> it's a, it, I love these icons, these, uh, you know, Eastern icons. I find them more religious and more uh, interesting. Uh, than Western uh, art. Not that Western art isn't beautiful. It's just that there's something more uh, biblical about the um, the Eastern icon. Vigano, Vigano labels this the deep church, a foreign body, subversive and devoid of any legitimacy that uses the institution in which it is embedded to achieve goals. Uh, diametrically opposed to those of the institution itself. But the mystical body of Christ, placed as the only ark of salva salvation for humanity, is called to oppose the mystical body of the Antichrist. He observed, quoting um, Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen.
The former papal ambassador explores the themes of a divided United States and a divided church by distinguishing separation brought upon by Christ. God does not divide, but uh, but separates. He creates a boundary between the city of God and the city of Satan, between those who serve him and those who fight him. He himself will separate the righteous from the wicked. On the day of judgment, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46, after having placed himself as a stumbling block, Rome chapter 9, verse 32, 33, isn't the good shepherd being divisive when he warns his sheep against the wolves, as Pigano? He elaborates, separating the light from the darkness, good from evil, according to the Lord's teaching, is a must. If we want to follow Christ and reject Satan, but it's also necessary to separate when choosing who best protects the rights and faith of Catholics, from those who only nominally proclaim themselves Catholic and in fact promote laws that are clearly in contrast with divine law and natural law. This is the part here that you should pay attention to. Like I said, you cannot be a Christian reading your Bible in a corner or going around just constantly beating people over the head. People have to know that there are decent laws, they have to see a, the good being an action. They have to see a Christian active in government. This is why, why I always call upon St. Thomas More to, to intercede for us, to pray for us. Because Thomas More was, a, was a, a layman, a Catholic. He was a Catholic, yes. He was a member of the Catholic Church. He was in King Henry's court. He opposed... Sorry, I just wanted to hold off from any noise from outside. And then he opposed Henry VIII's changes, his revolution. And he died. He died representing the truth. Same thing, um, St. John Fisher, who was a bishop, who became cardinal. And Henry VIII, uh, when uh, the Pope sent him a cardinal hat, hoping Henry VIII would respect that position, he said, well, he sent him the hat. Too bad there won't be a head for that hat to uh, to rest on. It was cardinal hat. The point I'm trying to say is Christians have to be active in the good. We have to be active in the culture. I mean, I hope I'm doing that through this podcast by making this podcast, but we have to. We have to be active in, that's why we have to vote for the right people to represent these values. We've, we've, we've too long, we've let these people to invert and embarrass us because of our Christian faith, because, oh, you're a bigot. Oh, you're a homophobe. Oh, you're a misogynist because you're against women's right to choose. You know, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're oppressing me because of your religion. This is, this is all, this is all how the devil did it. He knows how to, you know, flip things over. And too many times we've let them we, we've let them take over the colleges, the universities, the culture, the arts, the museums, uh, the government. We've let them take over everything. And 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 all we've done is just sit there and we we flip our thumbs and we and we hope while well, we stay home or we'll watch a, a Bible program. And now they come after our churches, lock our churches up because of this of this of this pandemic when we need our churches. 
And now they're putting social distancing on us. And now they're going to come after families because of homeschooling. And all we've done is we let them take those grounds from us. Because we don't want to look like we're oppressing. Because we let them change the laws. Well, I'm telling you, we have to go out there and we have to be active. All right, let's continue. Lambasting Pope Francis for accusing Trump of not being a Christian simply because he wants to protect the nation's borders while the trafficking of human beings is favored and the Vatican is silent in the face of persecution of Christians in China elsewhere and elsewhere or the thousands of desecrations of churches that have taken that have been taking place all over the world for months Vigano asks, isn't all this divisive? Yes, it's divisive. He's calling Trump divisive. And here's the thing. Did you know that there is another caravan just in time for election time coming from South America, heading towards the border? There's another caravan, human caravan of people. And someone is helping them because these people are coming with their children. They're coming with their, um, you know, uh, with their elderly and they're heading towards the border, the South border once more again at the height of this pandemic, at the height of this pandemic, these people are heading towards the border during election time. And here, our president, our dear president, Donald Trump just got, came down with COVID-19 along with the first lady, Melania Trump. Isn't that a little bit unusual? Don't you think that maybe someone did this, that someone is behind us, possibly? I mean, since the, if not the president coming down with the COVID because he does meet a lot of people, but all these people heading towards the border just around this time. The same thing happened in 2016. And you're going to get people protesting. You're going to get people protesting about letting them in. You. That's why everyone has to go out and vote. Okay. Now let's continue. The Archbishop names Jesuit Father James Martin, Rainbow Martin, as one truly divisive in the worst sense of the term for his homo heresy and calls faithful Catholics to learn to separate who is with Christ from who is against him, since it is not possible to serve two masters. Unlike Biden, Trump defended, defended the life of the unborn child cutting funds from Planned Parenthood and more recently issued an executive order requiring, requiring immediate care for newborns, not killed by abortion. Trump is fighting pedophilia and proto-Satanism. Trump did not open a new war fronts and drastically reduced the existing ones by signing peace agreements, the Archbishop argues. I, Vigano concludes with, with a note of hope, emphasizing that the destinies of the, of the world are not in the hands of man, and that the Lord has promised not to abandon his church. The powers of hell will not prevail, 
Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Christ's words are the rock of our hope. Behold, I am with you always to the close of the age. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he proclaims. Yes. Now, this, this is a very good letter, and I'm glad we went through this. Now, we have to be active. We can't just be Bible preachers, verse preachers. We have to show people. You know, people believe, a friend of mine said, talk is cheap. People believe by action. You have to show them what is right. You have to go out there and perform the duties of faith. You know, even Pope Francis said, Christians get in, a good Christian gets involved in politics, and he's right. He's right about that, even though we may disagree with him on many other issues, and he may be uh, deceiving himself. I don't know. I have a lot of questions about him. I still pray for him, and I still call him Pope. But I do believe that it's our duty to be active, to be active in the culture. We have to go out there and be active. I know my podcast is called The Informed Catholic, and I know, yes, I'm supporting Donald Trump, and this could be questionable to some people because I, I you know, I am not just a religious podcast, but I am, uh, you know, I, I consider my podcast also part of the culture. And I believe politics and faith are something that we have to be involved in. We have to take part in. We can't just be Christian in private. There was a New York Times article by some woman who questioned the legitimacy of the Catholic of of, of Catholicism in American culture. That that was uh, I heard about that. I want to get my hands on that article. And I'm hoping to do a podcast on it because I found that because of Amy Coney Barrett's um, uh, nomination to the Supreme Court. She's questioning a, a Catholic, uh, the Catholic faith and, and American culture. And, and meanwhile, our Constitution does not have a religious test. And meanwhile, the New York Times always seems to have to stick its uh, is is opinion uh whenever a devout catholic comes into the spotlight here's an intellectual woman Amy Coney Barrett who is smart intelligent studies the constitution in the constitutional originalist interprets it exactly as supposed to be interpreted and she's being she's questioning the woman's faith all right. Why can't a person who's religious have a political opinion? Okay. Obviously, you don't question a homosexual's in intellect, right? Why can't you question a homosexual's intellect about you know that may? Why can't you question their sexual orientation? Could perhaps uh, uh, impair their judgment on the law. Because obviously the governor of California doesn't think so. He just they just he just signed a pedophile uh, bill that protects pedophiles. Because of relation, he's leaving it to the uh, private judgment of the judge, the uh, uh, you know a cautious judgment of the judge. How do we know 
that there is no sexual, uh, the sexual orientation of the judge does not impair his or her judgment. It's, it's, it's unbelievable the hypocrisy that they hold. Unbelievable. You know, it's, it's really weird. You know, and, and nobody seems to question that. Nobody seems to question. You know, it always has to be on the question of the religious person, but not the question of, um, you know, of, of basically whether, you know, a religious person can be, you know, can, you know, it's just so stupid. I'm sorry. It's just ridiculously stupid and so one-sided. You know, religious people have to be questioned and have to be looked on and frowned upon as, as you know, questionable. But when a person is active, uh, let's say active in their in their in their sexuality, you can't question that either. I would question it. I mean, Freud seemed to question it. Freud was very uh, was always saying that a person is is sexually suppressed. So how do we know a judge is not uh, sexually suppressed? How do we know a judge is not sexually obsessive, and it could impair his or her judgment? You know, there are people who are constantly. Uh, I have to say, I have to question their behavior and their judgments because they're always constantly sexually uh, obsessive about things. So how do we know the law is not being manipulated by their sexual, sexual orientation? Question that. All right, so... Um, I tried to go to the main article here, but we, we I read that to you in the last one. So let's check this out here. This might be interesting. I'm going to play you a vortex here. I think this will be helpful. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Vortex, where lies and falsehoods are trapped and exposed. I'm Michael Voris. Earlier this week, once again brandishing his Catholic credentials, President Trump signed an executive order extending protection to babies who are born alive, surviving an abortion. And if you're wondering why a presidential executive order is necessary to protect a living child lying on the table, fresh from an attempted murder of his life, is because the gruesome bastards who run the Democratic Marxist Party can not allow even that child to live. So they make sure it is offered no protections and is either smothered or left on the table to just die naturally as all the doctors just walk out of the room and leave the tiny person shivering and gasping for air. Frankly, the term bastards is too kind a word for these heartless monsters. For the foreseeable future, it is President Trump alone who has offered a measure of protection for these babies. Today I am announcing that I will be signing the Born Alive Executive Order to ensure that all precious babies born alive, no matter their circumstances, receive the medical care that they deserve. Now, consider, there are some faithful Catholics on social media who are saying they're not going to vote for Trump. They claim to be turned off by his demeanor or his tweeting or his New York brashness and clear speaking habit. Others point to his sinful past as an excuse to beg off casting a vote for him. And others say they aren't going to vote at all because the whole process is somehow beneath their dignity, or they're going to vote for some third-party candidate. Of course, anyone is allowed to vote or not vote however they see fit. But, 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 
voting and voting correctly is not just a choice at this point, but an actual duty. In fact, given the circumstances, it rises to a moral imperative. And what are the circumstances precisely we're talking about? Well, to put it plainly, you and your loved ones are staring down the barrel of a Bolshevik gun and their finger is on the trigger. They are killers, period. And given the chance, they'd kill you in a heartbeat. They are almost done erecting a kingdom of Satan on this earth. And when they are done, you will either bow to them or you will die. If you find that hard to swallow, well, consult the number of murdered children. Or now, the number of murdered cops in these Marxist, mostly peaceful protests. If the Marxist left wins this election, the world as you know it is going to change. Likewise, the world will change for everyone else around you, including your children. Do you really, seriously think for one moment these agents of Satan are going to let some little bastions of the authentic faith survive? You will be identified, hunted down, declared illegal for some made-up reason, which they will be able to make up because they will have all the levers of power. How dare any Catholic pretend they are somehow above all this, or Trump is crass, so I'm not going to vote for him. If he loses, and all this is set in motion, don't be expressing your regrets as you're herded onto the trains heading off for the camps. When you go vote, you have to consider the effect your vote will have not just on you and your hoity-toity tastes and everything, but the common good. And we don't mean the term common good the way the Marxist and panty-waste theology crowd throws it around as a kind of reductionist approach. We mean the actual common good, as the church understands it, that the good of the whole must be considered as it relates to salvation. Is the church more able to fulfill its role for mankind in this set of circumstances as opposed to that set of circumstances. Under a Trump administration, the church enjoys a safe space in which to carry out her mission. The fact that the bishops fail does not remove our obligation to act, and in the political world, the action is voting and getting others to vote correctly. Under a Harris-Biden administration, the church would be snuffed out, the authentic church, in fact, it wouldn't be very unlike the situation the church finds herself in the, under the Marxist in China, a state-approved church versus the actual church. After all, if the state can order churches to close because of a virus and the bishops quickly fall into line, the precedent has now been set, and it can and will happen again. What the crowd of Catholics who might consider themselves somehow above the fray and not willing to get dirt on their hands should consider is this. Marxists, once they gained power, have no use for religion, as their founder himself declared. And anyone who clings to their guns or their Bibles will be considered, then labeled, then, part, then persecuted, as an enemy of the state. Your children or your grandchildren will be taken from you and <clears throat> re-educated. Your access to the sacraments will be largely cut off. Hillary Clinton declared on the campaign trail in 2015 that religious values would have to change. Kamala Harris introduced a bill into the Senate just last year to say that the First Amendment freedom of religion cannot be used as a shield to discriminate, her word, against such things as homosexual rights. Obama delivered infamous remarks that poor people are bitter and cling to their guns and their Bibles. 
Judge Amy Coney Barrett, during her confirmation hearings, was accused of being too religious by Senator Dianne Feinstein. This list of slights against religion from this crowd is little else than a thin veneer covering over their hatred of God and religion, morality, and Catholicism in particular. If you think for one instant that the full weight of their power would not be exercised against you and your fellow Catholics who are also affected by your vote, then you don't understand the world you live in. You don't get to not vote and not vote correctly, and that means Trump. For all his flaws, which by the way, you have plenty of as well, he's the only thing standing in the way, holding back the floodwaters of a complete communist takeover. He's more Catholic in his perception of the world than most Catholics, including and especially considering the bishops, at least collectively, as well as many of the hippie gay clergy. This goes to an even larger issue with Catholics, this, tim this timidity, the lack of zeal, the like terrified to act. The corrupt hierarchy has gotten away with murder because Catholics have let them. Insecure personalities who like to attribute their lack of action to religiosity refuse to take the necessary steps they can take to challenge the status quo in the church as well as the culture. That's how evil has advanced to this point and is poised to engulf the world. Do you get that? Engulf the world. Catholics were born for combat, yet all the evil in the world is due to lukewarm Catholics. God love you. I'm Michael Voris. Okay. Well, that I think should help. And we really, like he said, we have to be active. We can't be timid. There was an article, um, another one with a church militant, and this was talking about in Scotland where a priest uh, really came down hard. This is showing you that a lot of people are starting to get tired of this on a, um, a Scottish cardinal or bishop because he was, he was bowing easily to the government in Scotland you know, closing the limiting, limiting the amount of uh, people to come to church, only allowing 50 people because of the state. And this is the thing that this is not supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be this way. These guys were trained to be this way. They were trained all the, all that education that came in from the sixties and all these guys who got trained in the sixties and seventies and eighties and maybe some part of the 90s this is how they were trained to think and that's not that's not the way it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be this way i mean the the church is supposed to help the culture that's why christ created the church yes admittedly he chose flawed men but that's because they have to want to be holy think about it the what religion in the world ever shows them their members flawed the christian religion doesn't hide it the gospels doesn't hide the, the the flawed nature of of peter the gospels do not hide the flawed nature of the apostles it it you know it this is this is there's no other religion that does that and this is this is something i think maybe protestants some bible believing protestants have had had a hard time with and yet we, we think about it, we, we call them saints. In the Catholic Church, in the Orthodox Church, 
we venerate these people as saints because we venerate them because they had to overcome their flawed nature. They had to, they had to fight against their weakness. Peter denies the Lord. It's more dramatic in the Gospel of Luke where he actually swears and curses the name of Jesus. And when at that moment, Christ came out and there was a, a coal fire burning between, you know, he was standing next to be keeping warm with the people. That's when they were like questioning him. Like, you are a Galilean. Your accent gives you away. And the Lord comes out or was standing and he turns and looks at Peter. And there was the coal fire between them, a symbol of hell. And it, it, Luke uses a more, more, um, pious words the lord turns and looks at him and then you hear the cock crowing three times and then peter runs into the night and weeps bitterly that was very important the gospels always all four gospels show this matthew's gospel mark's gospel luke's gospel john's gospel and John's gospel goes even further to restore Peter back to, to, to favor. When the Lord asked him three times, do you love me? In the third time, Peter groans. It, you know, he groans deeply because he, because the Lord asked him a third time. That was the Trinity right there asking, um, restoring him back to favor. So you see, this haunted Peter all his life. He Here he is, leader, head of the church, and his faults are out in the open. No religion does this. No other religion does this. You know, Judaism does it. Yeah, it shows, it shows itself. It shows its own people constantly failing God, always, always falling down, always because they're a picture of the world. They're a picture of humanity. And they showed the flaws of humanity. This is something that most, most people don't like. Hitler hated human flaws. That's why he wanted a perfect race. Marx wanted to get rid of morality so he would have no guilt. And he wanted to get rid of religion. But in order to do that, you have to make your politics, your politics, your religion in order to persecute the world. This is, this, you know, to try to change the world, try to make the world into your, into your, your idea, your ideal image. It'll never be. Anyway, I'm going to end it here. Um, I'll come back again with another article. God bless and stay well, folks.